Welcome to that podcast with Sammy Rye. We're here this week joined by one of my close friends, Anthony Wheeler, and we are trying to do a remote podcast. So if we sound a little different, uh, bear with us. This is an experiment, but we're using the Anchor app to record remotely. Um, I'm at home and Anthony's out and about. Uh, how you doing, Ant? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. Thank you so much for trying this out with me. This should be exciting to see how this turns out. This could open up new different ways to record the podcast. And then, of course, I still am able to test out the Zoom method, um, recording over Zoom. I'll try that maybe in a few weeks. Uh, but, yeah, how's your week been? So far, it's been good. A little busy, but it's been good. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, over here, um, recently we've been talking about the movie The Founder, and I am preparing to do a special episode on Wolf of Wall Street, um, and then we kind of touch on anything else going on. But I know that you hadn't seen The Founder, and recently you saw The Founder, so we could talk about it. Um, so how, what did you think about the movie? Let me get your take first. Long overdue for me to watch that movie. I yeah. remember, <laughs> I remember when it first came out, I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh, it was like kind of a, I thought it was like a documentary because I, I just love documentaries for some reason. Like I can watch them all the time. And then I realized uh, Michael Keaton was in it and I'm a fan of Michael Keaton. I always thought he was a good actor. So I was kind of like, you know what? It's one of those things like I, I knew I wanted to watch it, but for whatever reason, I just never like came across it. I guess like, you know, it came out in 2016 and yeah, I probably could have streamed it, but you know, I was just like, oh, I'm not paying for it. I'll like figure it out another way. And then, it just never seemed to line up either money-wise or time-wise. And now I felt like, you know, this is the perfect opportunity. He was about to do a podcast on it. I've always wanted to watch it. And I was thoroughly, 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 thoroughly pleased with it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. I mean, that was another movie. I also took a long time to get around to seeing it. Um, I think eventually I saw it on Crackle, one of those, like, almost free platforms. Um, But it was one of those things for me, too. I think when I saw it was exactly when I needed to see it. Um, which was cool because I this been one now my one of my favorite movies to watch when I'm looking for motivation or a little pick me up. Um, yeah, I, I refer to it a lot, which is why I did the special episode on it. And the next one will be on Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we were talking a little bit when we were setting up the podcast about you know how the movie is kind of divisive, and I had a take on it, and my wife had a take on it. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're, you asked me, you know, what you thought my take was. Um, For me, you know, I understood the Ray Karat character. Um, You know, I I don't agree with his methods. I wouldn't have done all the things that he did, some of the people in his life. Um, But I did agree with him overall. I felt like he was still the hero of the story. Um, I think that, you know, the people he was working with at the time, even though they did come up with the original concept, I think he tried to work with them. He tried to expand the business with them. They were very resistant um, and he wasn't going to stop. So when he moved forward at the end of it, he still does have some friends, which you don't see a lot in the movie. Like he got he took his assistant. Um, he made he helped her become like the first woman on like the New York Stock Exchange to ever be able to trade on the floor of the stock exchange. Um, the, the cook that he was working with, one of his first cooks at one of his first restaurants, he made him like the first president at McDonald's. So he was loyal to those people, I guess, that he saw was loyal to him. But in the film, it kind of highlights a lot of people that he ends up hurting or they lose to him. Um, so I kind of, I think, almost kind of paints him in a bad way. I mean, not saying that he's not a good or bad person. I mean, I don't want to, you know, judge him like that. My wife, on the other hand, was not a fan of what Ray Kroc did. Um, obviously, she felt like, you know, number one, you never can support a character in a movie uh, that, that 
doesn't stay with his wife and gets with a new girl. That never works out. No girl, <laughs> no girl watching that film is ever he's like, oh, I love like, this nope. character. Yeah, as soon as he started doing that, it's like, oh, this is downhill. I, I knew that as soon as I'm on the couch watching it. I'm like, well, this is not going to go well. He uh, probably could have cured cancer at the end. She'd have been like, yeah, oh, well, he left his wife though. So Yeah, that's never. It's never a story. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, then, and also, too, I think she thought, which a lot of people think, you know, and everyone has different opinions, and that's cool, of like, yeah, it was their idea, the other guys, the McDonald brothers, it was their idea, ergo, they own, they should have, like, 100% of the money, no matter what anyone does, uh, and at the, by the end of it, I just felt like they were so frustrating, that I was like, yeah, no, nah, I don't think that they deserve all the money or that kind of recognition. I think Ray Kroc did a lot more for McDonald's. So that was my take. What was what was your take when you were watching it? You know how uh, they say, like, something will come out and it'll probably get, like, it'll come out a little too early, like a little too, like a little before it probably should. So, like, yeah. you'll have, like, like, Fight Club. It came out it was like kind of good, but it wasn't really like a big smash movie. It was like a cult classic. I feel like yeah. this movie falls in that category where it came out early. I'm sure people, like a lot of people watched it. People probably enjoyed it, but it didn't really, you know, come out at the right time. It probably came out a little too soon because I feel like honestly that movie represents like the, the society right now or the culture right now, especially with like uh, things like TikTok, you know, the big thing with like TikTok dances. They were ending up on, you know, uh, video games. And then you have certain people doing, like, you know, people that was not necessarily the creators of these dances, but they were, like, you know, influencers. So they had a lot more following, a larger following. They would do these dances, and they would just blow up beyond, you know, beyond anyone imagined. And then the creators who was, like, responsible for these dances were just left behind. And it was kind of like, I watched that movie, and I felt like, even though it was 2016, I feel like that's going on right now in society. And I was like, that's, uh, that movie kind of represents that. You had these brothers who were the creators of something. They were really good at what they had, but it took for someone else to come along to really catapult this into a, like another stratosphere almost. And yeah. I, thought, I thought it was kind of like, like a representation of America. We don't necessarily create so many things, but we're, we, we, we're great at you know, expanding those things that we, we find. And it just it just really like when you watch it, it was a fun movie. Like it wasn't a bad movie by no means. I thought, I thought, yeah, he was kind of you know a little pushy, and in the end, he kind of you know the handshake deal didn't hold up. And it sucks, but that's life, you know. It, it's just it's just a matter of like those brothers kind of they kind of did it to themselves, but at the same time, he put he helped them along the way. Um. It was. I, I really enjoyed it, though. I thought it was a really good movie, and I thought overall, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't disappointed with it. Like I thought, it it, it played out really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I think that's the thing. You know, I see this a lot with screenwriters. A lot of writers, um, you know, they are always afraid their ideas are going to be stolen or they're going to end up with you know less of with the deal. I mean, my and I think also I think of um all the writers who never get a deal, who never get anything purchased and they kind of that's what they did. They wrote for fun basically the rest of their whole lives. So like I think it's difficult when, you know, if you're a writer, you know, people don't 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 buy screenplays to like read them, right? They're not novels. Um so like movie writers a lot of times if they get offered, you know, two hundred thousand dollars or something like that, which might not be a lot in the grand scheme of major motion pictures where the, these sometimes make, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Um, I think sometimes they feel like they should get more um or they should somehow get more credit than what they do. However, 
that that two hundred thousand dollars for that screenplay, that screenplay isn't going to be a, a multi million dollar product on its own. You need the lights, the cameras, the directors, the actors, the advertisements. All that stuff has to come into it, and obviously that costs a bunch of money. Uh, and without that, it doesn't exist. And, and one could argue that without the screenplay, the movie can't exist. Um, but then what's the value of the screenplay itself? So I think that's kind of the thing with the McDonald's brothers. Like if Ray Kroc doesn't come along, they could have kept their restaurant. They could have worked the rest of their lives. They, they already decided to stop trying to expand on their own. It didn't work out for them. They failed at that. Um, and maybe eventually one day someone else would have made, you know, a fast food chain that would have been big. But then Ray Kroc comes along and in their lifetime, he's able to get them both a million dollars each. Um, they do eventually lose their restaurant, but I feel like he made their lives more successful. Not as successful as, you know, McDonald's as a whole making $700 million a year, but alone, if he doesn't come along, they never would have made $700 million a year by themselves. Yeah. So I feel like he is the person who's bringing that kind of money. Um, but then I also feel like that no matter what, those writers, people in support of the, the smaller people, always be like no that the small guy deserves 700 million dollars a year no matter what he does and i'm like i i don't know if i can agree with that yeah see i'm kind of like in the same spot like do you do you uh do you do you side with the creator or do you side with the 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 expander i guess you would say the, the person who takes his idea see what it could possibly be and you know just magnifies it and that's the thing when you watch that, like, I, like I never felt like, I never, I guess because it's an entertaining movie, like it's a movie and it's supposed to be entertaining and it's not like a, a sad, like it's a fun movie when you watch it. Um, I never felt like he was a bad guy. I just felt like his hand was forced to make some tough decisions. The same way with the brothers, I never felt like they were like, you know, idiots. I felt like they tried and they had bad experience. So they decided to go against, you know, they, 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 they stuck with what they know, they knew. And, like, watching that, you know, it's kind of like, all right, like, it, I guess it wants you to pick a side. But me, it was kind of like I can't necessarily pick a side because I don't, you know, I kind of see on both sides. Like, I agree with it, like with both of them. You know, I can see myself being both of those people, like, being super aggressive, trying to get something off the ground, but also seeing myself being like, no, I got burned once. I'm not going to do this. And it, it was good. But I also understand, like, with creators – like making like you know different types of like art or whatever it may be uh music or screenwriting or something like that you know i've always heard you know you gotta especially with screenwriting i heard you gotta make that in order to hope that someone's just gonna come along and buy it and kind of take that idea and and do their own thing to it because if not they say you should write novels you shouldn't do screenplays yeah yeah i think when you make a screenplay you you make it for it to be changed and for other people to take it I mean, there's countless stories. Like Last Action Hero is a good example. Um, sold the movie Last Action Hero to Arnold Schwarzenegger and the company that made that. Um, you know, I think it was the first screenplay they sold, and they said their experience was when they sold it um, that the, the studio saw it. They're like, "Yeah, we like this. We think Arnold might like it." They bought it, and then when Arnold saw it, he was like, "Yeah, the first like 40% of this is good, but we're changing the last 60% of it." 
And they were so happy. They were like, okay, of course. And they don't even have a say at that point. Once you sell a screenplay, typically, you have no say what happens next, basically. If they decide to keep you along or they want you to come in, um, it's, it's the studio's property now. That's how that works. Um, so typically, you have lots of screenplays that are rewritten several times by other people or fixed or whatever. And everyone gets a writing credit. Um, but yeah, they said they rewrote it. And then one of the things they asked for was that they wanted to be on set. And that was something that was kind of a problem for the producers because they had no idea why they even wanted to be on set. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, sure, I guess you could be on set. But then they weren't actually ever invited to the set. So they said they were the movie was filming and they were waiting for a few months and they never like got an invite. And then they called like one of their friends that was working on the movie. I think the director of that one might have been Shane Black, the guy who directed all Lethal Weapon movies. I think they called Shane Black like, hey, like when can we come down to the set? And they said they didn't expect that, but he responded immediately like, why do you want to come to the set? (laughs) (laughs) And I think they they found that frustrating because they were obviously excited to sell the movie, but then, of course, they want to be more involved. They want to be around the stars. Um, Yeah, and I don't know if those guys went on to make many, many, many more movies. And obviously Shane Black, um, who recently did the last Predator movie, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, both of those guys had long careers. But I think it's frustrating for screenwriters to get so close, and you get they got money obviously out of it, but they're trying to make that career. But what they made was something that they had sold, and now it's over. Um, so I think there's some screenwriters that are very prolific and have long careers, but I think they really understand. You make the screenplay, you sell it, you make another one, you sell it, you keep on like popping these things out. Don't waste your time trying to be something else besides the screenwriter, basically. Um, yeah. Unless, of course, you're Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez. Those guys are director-writers. Spike Lee, you know, they make their own movies. So they write the screenplay yeah. and then make it into a movie themselves. That's, that's a whole other skill set. And that's the thing, like, I feel like going into it, maybe you should try to, you know, get your foot in the door. So if you got to kind of take a step back and just give up control, like, do it. But that's easier said than done for me because I'm not in that position. And that's not something I've been, like, working towards, like, my whole life to get ahead of, you know. So it's it's definitely understandable that they will want to have more control. But I guess that's not how the business works. That's not how it works. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, if you do it on your own, you're not going to have the same kind of success necessarily. Like in the movie, The Founder, that's the situation they have where they, they the McDonald brothers explains that some other people did try to originally steal their idea um, and it, they all failed. So because they, they didn't have all the things that McDonald's had. Um, and then I think another person I think about is Robert Rodriguez. Um, you know, he made a movie Desperado. That was pretty successful. But what he originally made was a movie called El Mariachi, if people don't know. Because um, basically he wrote the screenplay and he wanted to prove that he could make the movie. So he made the movie. And it was an independent film he made by himself in Mexico, I believe. Um, and then he used that to help convince studios to let him make Desperado, which was a $6 million film. It was big, it was slightly bigger, um, small compared to most action films. But then that one went on to be a major success. But, like, if you don't have that opportunity, if you're a screenwriter or you're any kind of creator, there is that, right, where if you, you can make it on your own, but if it doesn't have the polish and the pizzazz of a major thing with money behind it, then it's not going to be a worldwide known thing. So I think, like, you can, like, if you're, like, a restaurant owner or you're a cook, you can cook stuff out of your house. You can have a small business and you can cook at your restaurant. But it's different when a company gets behind you or investors get behind you. And you turn that into a chain across America. 
Um, but you, you can never do that on your own without that other company or that other entity coming behind you to take it to the next level. So if Robert Rodriguez only had made El Mariachi and and no one else ever no one ever bought the rights to make Desperado, I don't know if we would know Robert Rodriguez. I don't know if he made if he would have made a bunch of money off of El Mariachi on its own. I think you need that second person. And that movie, the founder is about Ray Kroc, who basically is the second person. Um, I just think that him not giving them their royalties, him not staying with his wife, or not doing those nice things, just makes him get painted so much more as a villain. Um, and then for me, I like everything he does up to those points. So I think he's very persistent, and the theme of the movie is persistent. So that's what I like about it a lot. But sometimes I tell people I like the movie The Founder, and it inspires me, and they look at me like I'm a villain. Like, I plan on going out and doing everything he did. Like, nah, it's not exactly what I'm saying here. I'm saying you can find inspiration from it, but then, you know, don't do all those bad things that he did. Yeah, and, like, I feel like something like that is understandable because that's a guy who was out there on a the grind, driving cross-country, which was another thing I thought was hilarious. He would be, like, in Ohio, and he would call him up, and next thing you know, like, he's in California. I'm like, those are, like, neighboring states. Like, this yeah. is... Like, and this was, like, in the 50s. It wasn't like he was out there, like, you know, listening to podcasts or on a cell phone. He was picking up whatever radio stations he could and probably wasn't picking up stations at all at some point. So he was, there was a lot of dead silent moments where he probably was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't worth it. But he wanted it bad. Like, yeah, he, he really wanted it. So I'm like, that persistence, that kind of, like, you know, drive and that kind of, you know, determination, I feel like that's really cool. Like, it's really worth, you know, like, all right, this is inspiring. Like, no matter how yeah. we got to that, you know. Can you hear me? Oh, did you drop out? Did you see drop out? Oh, give me a second. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I can hear you right now. You know, I went, until you get back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. Like, the persistence of the movie, I think, is inspiring. Seeing all the hard work and all the setbacks that he faced, I thought was really inspiring. Um, because you see him doing all that hard work, and then he's not really seeing success initially. And I think that's a message that isn't told enough to people when they're starting, is that, you know, just because you, you put in a lot of hard work doesn't mean you're always going to see success immediately, but it, but it builds. He builds experience, and then I think he's in his 50s when he meets the McDonald's brothers, and all that experience, all those people laughing in his face, all the times he went to the bank, it didn't work out. All that paid off when he got that opportunity for him in his 50s and obviously paid off tremendously. Um, but I think sometimes people think, oh, I start working hard and then in a few weeks or a month or two, I definitely should see success. But even after he gets in with McDonald's, they're still in that movie. They keep showing these big roadblocks he goes into and these big setbacks, which I think really drives home that that theme of persistence and, you know, that, that can do attitude. Are you there? I think you dropped out. All right, so I'm going to have to call Anthony back. This is us trying the Anchor app, obviously, for the first time. So I'll do like a commercial break here. There you go. We'll improvise. Um, and we'll come back and talk more about Wolf and Wall Street. That's the second film that I'm doing a special episode on. They're called Takeaways. The the, the, Samurai, the podcast Samurai presents Takeaways. Is I'm going to sit down and break down some of the movies 
that I enjoy. Um, the founder was about a two hour episode. I'm trying to do Wolf and Wall Street as a 60 minute episode. And then basically what I'll try to do is maybe go back and redo the founder and condense it into 60 minutes. I think that's a better time period um, than you know the two hours, like kind of list along. I think um, that'd be better as a watch along if you guys watched the movie with me, but that's not something I was able to do. I don't know if I could even do that because of copyright and stuff like that. So we'll go ahead and, and go and call Anthony and get him back on the line. And we'll be right back after this break for that podcast with Sammy Rye. And we are back with Anthony. We are talking about the Wolf of Wall Street, the founder, some movies that I like to watch um, for inspiration when it comes to art and business, some things that help me stay motivated or kind of recalibrate. Um, and we wanted to kind of touch on the Wolf of Wall Street. Now, you, you also saw the Wolf of Wall Street, right, Ant? Yes, I have. Okay, so what was your take on that movie? What did you think about Wolf of Wall Street? Again, I thought it was another, uh, it was a fun movie. You know, it's based off real events, so it's kind of like you you got to take that, I guess, with a grain of salt. Like, all right, yeah, this is, this guy, he's doing something, I guess, illegal by selling, you know, this, uh, like, what was selling that uh, uh, the product, kind of like a boiler room scheme, even though he was kind of, you know, making all this money and he just had to hustle. And I thought it was a good movie overall. Like, I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese makes great movies. And one thing I, I noticed the other day when I was watching it, preparing for the episode I'm going to do, um, just like all with the founder and what I like about, you know, TikTok and even some YouTube videos is they waste no time. You know, I think a lot of movies waste so much time. Um, and in this and the, the Wolf of Wall Street, because I just watched it yesterday, like in two minutes and 30 seconds, you see so much stuff so fast. So they, they, they're flipping around showing you like the past, the present, the future, he's in jail or whatever. Like they're going over all these things and you know who the character is. You know what the movie's going to be about. You, you know who the other girl he's with and real fast they, they, they jump off. And then it kind of slows down to, you know, he's going to the job interview this like the start. But in the first two, two and a half minutes, you learn so much about Jordan Belfort and everything that he was supposedly was about. And it's exciting when you start watching it. I don't, I don't care who you are. I'm like, I don't know how you can't be excited when this movie starts off, even if you don't like business or whatever. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like Jordan Belfort obviously is one of those polarizing people where he was extremely successful. You can't really take that from him. Um, and people might say, well, you know, some of the things he did wasn't wasn't legal or ethical is when it comes to how the stocks and stuff like that, that you know, work. Um, but, yeah, besides all those details, if we could overlook those things, I still think is an inspirational character, at least how he's presented in the film. You know, I, I agree because it was one of those things that you see it. And, yeah, he's doing something that's kind of I guess you would say is definitely wrong. But the way he goes about it, you just see a guy who wants to change the, change the situation. He wants more, and he realizes this is his way of getting more. So it's kind of like, all right, what do you want to do? Do you want to sit here and, and, and you know, be stuck in this, this situation you're in? Or are you going to do what you got to do to get out of it? And it's kind of one of those things, like, I feel like a lot of people are – like, not a lot of people, but most people successfully, you hear about them being faced with, like, tough decisions like that. His just happened to be tough and illegal. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at gambling, like he, he relates, you know, buying stocks a lot to gambling. I think everyone understands the risk factor 
whenever you're investing in a company or you're buying stocks. Um, and yeah, I mean, and people know the controversial nature of casinos. So if you go to a casino, people know that people can get addicted to it. There's different kind of regulations, but there's a bunch of stuff that is legal somehow about casinos, right? And there, there are lots of different places that have casinos and they make a lot of taxes off of those casinos. So for him to come in and kind of go full out with their the basically the idea of feeding off people's addictions when it comes to their investing, it's like, yeah, he's doing a bad thing, but that's how much different is that than casinos, right? Um, but their laws and stuff are obviously regulated differently, and you know he got in trouble for it. But I think when you're watching it still, it's just so inspiring to see that he comes from like working class family. He doesn't have any kind of big inheritance or anything like that that he can like rely on. And he builds so much so fast. Even, even again, a lot like the founder, when he first starts and he's making some money at the first firm, then he like on his first day of like actually being a broker, the whole stock market crashes and he loses his job. So it's like a lot of people in life, that's the end of your story. Like you had a break and you didn't work out or whatever, and you're done. And then for him to go to that small no-name company and rebuild so much on his own, I think is such a big comeback. And that's, that's a big inspirational story, I think. I agree because it's definitely one of those things that like how bad do you want something? Like you can get a little taste of it or, you know, you can see other people going through it or you can see the results that other people have, but then when you got to go through it yourself to get to that point, it's like, do you really want this? And I feel like some people, like, I feel like a lot of people, they'll say they want something, they'll say they really want to get to a certain point, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get there. And you saw a guy that was, like you said, come from a humble background, and he wanted he wanted that. He wanted to be part of that, you know, upper echelon in that field of brokering. So it was kind of like a guy that really decided, you know what, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Even when uh, Jonas Hill character came on, and he said, "You show me a check. What was it? Seventy thousand or seventy-five thousand dollars?" Yeah. Like he, like that's someone right there that was like, "That's all it takes for me. Like I want that. Like whatever that is, I want it. I don't care what it takes. I want that. I want to be a part of it." And I mean, you got to respect the person that's willing to, you know, just jump out there, take whatever risk it required to get ahead like that. You know, like most people, they say they do, but I don't. I, I don't think they do. Yeah, and then there's that, that whole question, too. Like, one thing I noticed a few times in the film, like, Jonah Hill's character and some of the other characters, and what they would say to them is, like, you know, like, the first guy tells Leonardo DiCaprio, Jordan Buffett's character or whatever, um, he said, when, you, when that 9 o'clock comes in, you start dialing phones, and you don't look up from your desk until, like, 3. And I think a lot of people go to work. I've, gone, I've done it. You know, you go to work, and since it's just a job you don't really care about, you go in there and you you don't try to work that hard all day long. You know, you just go to work and you, you get your check, you go home. Um, and but that but then because we're also not pursuing in those situations at least our passions, right? We're not really gonna make a million dollars or anything like that. Usually it's kind of a one of those little jobs. But to see that he had to work that hard at just a basic intern level or whatever his that job was, um, that's inspiring. And then you said Jonah Hill's character, he doesn't say you know, oh, what are my job duties? All he says is, you show me a check, I'll quit my job and work for you. He has no idea what that's going to bring, what that entails. And he, he literally quits his job and goes off with this complete stranger just to pursue that thing that he's serious about. So I agree with you. Like, there's lots of people that you come across and they'll say, like, you know, I mean, I've done this with entertainers. Oh, I'm a singer. Okay, cool. You're a singer. Yeah. All right. So me and my friend, we, we make music and we own a record label. We run the whole thing ourselves. Cool. All right, so like, what, like, what do you want to do? I only want to sing. 
it's like, okay, well, there's there's an entire company that has to be run here, right? I mean, I guess me and my other friend can do all the company parts, but like it'd be it'd be nice if you can answer some emails or something. Like, can you do anything? No, 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 no. I just want to show up and sing, and then hopefully one day I'm a millionaire. It's like, oh, okay, I guess if that's what you want and you're a nice singer, we can do that. Um, but, you know, it's so much more helpful when you meet people who are more serious about it. I think it shows your character. Like, for me, that singer isn't going to make it. You have to find a, someone has to come along, discover them, and have everything in place for them and just walk them into some kind of million-dollar situation. I think those singers you see that that's happened to, when that record label drops them, they disappear, right? There's lots of famous yeah. people we know. We never hear from them again because they have no work ethic. They don't know how to do anything else besides that one thing. And it's not – you can't last that way. And then you have other artists like Beyonce, for example, who's had such a long, illustrious career. You can tell that she just works hard. Um, no matter what the situation is, she's going to keep winning because she's a, she's a hard worker. And I think that's a big difference. You see that a lot in the, in the Wolf of Wall Street. And that's the thing, like, like, like you said, some of these people, like some people just come along and say, I just want to do this one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, and they just want to, you know, they want to do the one thing, they think the machine is going to do everything. Well, it's like, in some situations, yeah, the machine may, you know, give you leads, or they may, you know, do the interview, or set up interviews, or promo, or whatever it may be, but you still got to have that hustle, you still got to have that, you know, that want to, that desire. I think one of the truest things I've learned recently, and it's not even something like groundbreaking, but it's just really true. You can't fake desperation. Like you can try to simulate it all you want. You can say, man, I want to change my situation. I want a, I want a bigger home. I want a newer car. You know, I want to, whatever your motivation may be. But if you, if you really haven't been through something and you're not desperate enough to change your situation, you'll never get there because it'll just be comfortable. And it's one of those things I feel like sometimes people like say they want something and then when it comes time for them to actually get it a certain way, it's like, oh, I didn't know I had to do this to get this. Like, yeah, you could sell a million copies, but you got to print up the copies of your CD and you got to, you know, pass them out in front of this club every night and you got to, you know, late nights, early mornings. Like you got to, you know, you may not, you may not have money for a couple of weeks, but you can sell a million copies in a year. Are you willing to do that? Some people be like, no, that's too much work. I'm not doing that. But I feel like it's, it's something that, you know, when something comes along, comes along like this movie that, that is inspiring, I feel like the people that it should inspire, it will. And everyone else will look at it as just entertaining. Entertainment, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. It's definitely an entertaining movie. And there's a lot of the bad things he does that I think sometimes for people who are just there for the entertainment, they get distracted by it. They think that's what the movie's about. Oh, this is a guy, and he partied a lot, and he was crazy. I'm like, the movie isn't just saying that. The movie's also saying, you know, this is obviously proven success. He's a real person. This this is how this happened. Um, and I think a lot of people get, you know, I guess that's what it's for. For them, it's just entertainment. It is an entertaining film. But then for the, like you said, people who are going to be inspired by it, that's what they should take from it. And it's an interesting thing you mentioned, because I did some reading on Jordan Belfort you know, in pre preparation for the episode I'm going to do. And he actually gave more insight. He said one of the reasons you see that all the brokers are always partying so hard and spending so much money. They're, they're spending money on girls and food and liquor and doing all these things. His philosophy in his mind was the same thing. He had to stay desperate. He, had to, he wanted them to work as if they were always poor. There's a, there's a, a small speech that's supposed to represent that when Leonardo DiCaprio says, I want you to solve all your problems with money. 
uh, I want you to solve your problems by getting rich. And when and he said, yeah, so he, it was it was a clear motive for Jordan Belfort, for the people that he trained and worked for him. He always wanted to encourage them to spend all their money so that they basically would always be coming into work, you know, behind on a credit card bill, um, even though they're making hundreds of thousand dollars, um, you know, behind maybe not knowing how they're going to pay their next rent because they blew so much money, even though they're making literally hundreds of thousand dollars in some situations. He wanted them constantly spending money. And, and he, so he lived that way. So they would try to keep up with him. And, he, and that was that was fueled their machine for as long as it was going, he said. That's how he got all those guys to come in, not save their money, not be practical, not get comfortable. They, were, they weren't faking desperation, like you said. They were always desperate and just literally wolves, like always going out hungry, trying to keep making more and more money. Until that whole situation basically collapsed. But, um, but again, I think you look at it, you got to say, man, what a ride, right? I think the lesson there is that you can have a ride like that. Maybe at some point you say, okay, this is where I draw my line and I don't, you know, I, maybe I'll tuck a little bit away for later or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's def- difficult to fake desperation. I don't know if that's something you really can do. I think you have to really, really, really want something um, and you have to make sure that, you know, you don't let life make you comfortable because there's a lot of situations you could fall into where you got some money and your belly you take your foot off that gas pedal. And I think a lot of times that can lead to disaster for people also. I agree. It's definitely one of those things. Like we see it every day, not even on a major level like that of like a guy that's making like millions of dollars, you know, with stocks, but just, just people that, you know, that, that'll be in a situation, complain about a situation say they're tired of it. They're behind on money or they want to do this or they want to do that. And they got to pay a bill. So they can't do that. And it's just like, they'll talk about wanting to do more. I'm going to go back to school for this. I'm going to, you know, start working overtime. But then when it's some time to do it, it's just kind of like, you know, time passes. It's like, oh, you're still not like, oh, nothing's really changed. You're still the same. Like, only thing that changes is time. Like, nothing else has changed. You're still complaining about the same thing you're complaining about. And you're still kind of in the same spot. And it sucks. It, I, I'll be honest. Like it sucks seeing that and being around that. But it's like at the end of the day, it's like I hate how normal it is now. Like yeah. for some people, it's just kind of like it is what it is. So it's kind of like why why do anything about it? Yeah, I think people don't realize that that that's a problem. I know. Um, I, I know for me, I've made that mistake. Where, you know, I, when it comes to like physical fitness, I, I did that last year. I, I lost a bunch of weight. I ran a marathon. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to relax for a little bit um, for the, the holidays. And it was the kiss of death. I, I put on a lot of weight. I didn't put all, the, all of it back on. But it was, I had to basically, you know, I redo everything. And I realized there, like for my birthday tomorrow, I plan on running 10 miles. I was like, that's my gift now. That's the lesson I learned last year was no, I can't look at life like that. If I really want something, you know, you got to make yourself be in situations and and love the fact that you're in that situation that makes you hungry, that makes you desperate, that makes you uncomfortable. Comfort is is the kiss of death. If you let yourself get into that position where you start to settle, then everything else around you is going to start falling out. It's, it's hard to keep that going. So, of course, I wouldn't want to, you know, do – the, the crazy things that Jordan Belford did the whole time. I'm sure at this point in his life, he's probably made some adjustments too. But I think is definitely true. Um, I think everyone around you, we see that a lot. You said everyone's always working towards comfort. Um, you mentioned Fight Club. You know, that's that's a that's a movie 
where they kind of talk about that theme where Edward Norton's character in the beginning of the movie is so depressed because he's always been working towards comfort and he doesn't know what's missing. And then they decide that, you know, destruction, self-destruction, fighting, uh, those things are actually make you feel more alive and make you more happy about what it is. Not this like just trying to make a nest and be comfortable in it. Um, so to stay hungry, they keep, you know, going out and doing crazy things. So, yeah, I think I think that's 100 percent true, man. I think it applies, like you said, not just the business. I think it's a universal truth, which I always try to highlight on the podcast. Things that apply to you know the businessman, the artist, the, the, the person at home with the family. I think whenever you start saying this is enough, then I, I think you start lo- not living life basically to its full potential. I, I agree. And it definitely, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, you, you got to get out your comfort zone. Like you can never expand if you're comfortable. I remember me personally, a big thing for me was like, I, I was up here living in Jersey and I was kind of like on that hamster wheel and I will like just kind of juggle between like these two jobs I was working and neither one was really doing anything for me besides just getting me in trouble because of the crowds I was hanging out with. And like, I was always partially paying bills. I was always behind. And it was just so comfortable with these jobs. They were so easy that I would constantly go back and forth. I would quit one and work one, quit one and work one. And then I remember I took a long, long look in the mirror and was like, you know what? I can't keep doing this. Like, I got to find out. I got to find a different way. And that was when I kind of forced, like, I kind of decided to move out, to move to uh, out of New Jersey for a few years. So that way I couldn't run to these jobs. Like, I couldn't be comfortable no more. I had to kind of force myself to grow up and force myself to find a new way to kind of, you know, like, I guess, like, reshape my mind and, and remold my thinking or reshape my thinking and remold my mind, I should say. It was like, you got to get out of this, this, you got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to grow. You got to be better. You got to do more. You got, you want more, so do more. And that's kind of where it came down to me for. No, man, that's great, man. I think, again, you know, thank you so much for, for joining in this week on the podcast. I think that's a really good point. You know, it's, it's, it's getting out the comfort zone, trying new things. Today, we're trying this new way to do a podcast using the Anchor app. I'm doing that's it remotely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and even the podcast itself. I mean, you've been here with me, I would say, this the whole way. You're the only person I know I talk to about this the most. I'm trying new things, trying new experiments. Some episodes, you know, we, I'm, I'm out there doing something different whatever um and and that just created growth i feel like i'm getting better all the time you you send me other podcasts that you think are interesting i'm always learning and yeah if i look back and say well six months ago i knew nothing about podcasts right and then you know i'm hoping six months from now i'll know even more right and it's just constantly growth so for a long time before that i talked about doing a podcast and mentioning it and then it was never felt like the right time. And when I started, it wasn't the right time. I just said, you know, I got to I got to dive in and do something. Um, and yeah, and every week it's been a learning process and it's gotten better and better. Um, but I know I you agree. have to go. I have to go, too. I won't take up too much more of your time. But I definitely appreciate you you dropping in again, man, helping with everything like you always do. Anytime, man. Thanks. And we'll definitely be in touch more. Yeah, man, definitely. I want to sit down with you as soon as we can to do another one. But I guess um, thank you again, and thank you, everybody, for stopping and listening to the podcast. We're going to drop off the call, uh, and I hope you guys have a great week. Peace.